Blog Talk Radio. You're listening to Funky Monkey MMA. Listening to Funky Monkey MMA. And with that, we move on to the main card on UFC pay per view. Kicking off, we have a good fight here in the welterweight division between Tim Means and Sabah Homasi. Tim Means, I think, is a pretty underrated guy at welterweight. I've, I've been impressed with him for a while. He is very huge for the division. He's a guy that you look at and you just wonder how on earth he even made lightweight in the past because he's so big for 170. But he's a very good guy. He obviously is very good striking. He's not. He's coming off of that John Howard knockout. He's had impressive finishes over Diego Lima and George Sullivan. Just really, really good power in his hands. A good striker. His length is very difficult to deal with. And when he connects clean, it really doesn't take much from him to really finish guys. And I think that makes him an interesting matchup for the UFC newcomer, Sabah Homasi, who's taking this fight on very, very short notice. Hamasi is also a striker. He fought in Titan FC, and he also had that brief stint on the Ultimate Fighter where we had American Top Team taking on the Black Zillions. But Hamasi is a very good striker. He's very, very powerful, very athletic, and he's kind of the same way as me. It really doesn't take much from him to finish fights, and I think that's what's going to make this such an entertaining matchup to watch. Absolutely. And it's funny that you said that Hamasi's coming in on short notice. He just finished fighting. And he just had to, he just fought somebody that they got for him on short notice himself. So it was, he was in danger of not having that fight himself. And he got him an opponent, got the victory, and lo and behold, got the call for the UFC. I'm a big ATT person. Uh, I love ATT. That's one of my favorite camps that I'm very close with. But I'm also a big, big Tim Means fan, and I'm also realistic. I'm going to have to go with Tim Means. It, it's definitely a sleeper fight of the night. It's one that no one is talking about. I understand that being, you know, short notice replacement and whatnot, but it, it, it's going to definitely open some eyes that night on Saturday, and it's going to be – I see fireworks happening, and I, but I do see Tim Means coming out on top, possibly by TKO by the third. Yeah, I think that this is a fight that's really going under people's radar with how good it could turn out being. I guess it's because some people aren't quite familiar with Homasi and his fighting style, but he's really, really entertaining, and he has quite a bit of power in his hands. He's a very explosive guy, but he's still pretty technical as well. He has that, I think he has that good mix of the technical abilities, but he's still aggressive, and he can still really put on a pressure with his opponents that's, that can be rough for them. Yeah, I think that even though Homasi did fight earlier in August, August 5th at Titan FC 40, so he will still be in good fight shape, but this is not going to be an easy matchup here. It's just such a quick turnaround for him, and it's such a tough opponent for a UFC debut. The fight's going to play out pretty much entirely on the feet, I would imagine. Hamasi, I think that both, both guys will have success, but I think that means we'll ultimately get the better of him. I think his cardio is going to be a little bit better. 
and I see him finishing the fight with strikes here. I think that eventually he's going to catch Hamasi, one of his more rangier strikes, and I see him putting him away by TKO. I would say the second round. Well, yeah, so I think. Today. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, we got to get we got to get some more controversial fights here. We're both pretty much in agreement on this whole thing. But um, yeah, so we both have Tim Means picked by uh, stoppage due to strikes there. Moving up next, we have we're going to continue the action in the welterweight division. We have Hungu Lim taking on promotional newcomer Mike Perry. Hungu Lim is a very entertaining guy to watch. For a while, he was a very top prospect, but the hype has died down just a little bit since he hasn't competed since May of 2015. He's still a good guy at 170. He's a very explosive striker. He has quite a lot of power in his hands. He can finish a fight in just a blink of an eye. There's a lot of wild attacks, a lot of flying knees, Superman punches, just tons and tons of output. And when he connects with roughly any of those, that's what's going to make him such a difficult guy to handle. And he'll be taking on uh, Mike Perry, who's a, who's going to be stepping in on short notice here. Perry is undefeated at 6-0. and All of his wins have been stoppages to the strikes. And he's a, he's a pretty athletic guy. He can do a little bit of everything. He is dangerous on the feet, and he's also pretty good on the ground. He mixes in his takedowns pretty well. He can finish guys with ground strikes. He can finish them on the feet. One thing that you can see in his fights is that Mike Perry's heart is really, really tremendous. I was watching some of his fights. He was just on the brink of getting knocked out in some of these, and then he bounces back and he gets the win. It was really incredible. But the problem with that is putting himself in that kind of danger while it showcases his heart, when facing a guy that's as dangerous like Hyungi Lim, I really don't think he's going to have that opportunity to survive and bounce back because Lim is so dangerous with his finishing ability. I completely agree. And this fight is on the main card? I I don't know how this fight is on the main card. I really don't. I thought it was part of the uh, prelims. Yeah, it's kind of weird. I mean, you know, like we were saying, I, I would have loved to see Larkin and Magni on the main card. You know, I get why they put it on the pre on the uh, fight pass prelim so people would tune in. But yeah, the, I think with a lot of the the short notice replacements, the the rearranging of this card got a little bit interesting. In this fight, um, although you know Perry does have heart, you know he does have some serious power. I, I enjoy seeing his fights as well. Uh, he hasn't really fought any big time names, you know. So I'm I'm definitely gonna go with Lim. I see Mike Perry gassing out in the, in the second round and I see a finish by the third by Lim. Okay, so Lim uh by finishing the third. I, I actually I could see Lim getting the finish before that just because he, like you said, Perry, he has done well on the regional circuit, but this is just a massive, massive step up in competition. And on short notice, that is really going to be very difficult. So I think that this is just going to be a little bit too much for Perry here. I think that he'll be pretty aggressive on the feet. He's going to be looking for that knockout because he has proven power. But at the same time, I think he's going to leave himself exposed. And while he has good recovery skills and he's able to really bounce back and make a comeback in his fights, Slim being such a dangerous finisher, I don't think he's going to give Perry that opportunity. I think that if he does connect with Perry, I see him putting him away. I think that he finishes him. I think that Lim is going to finish the fight with strikes. I actually see it uh, happening a little bit earlier. I think that Perry will kind of come out guns a blazing, going to look to get pretty aggressive, but I think that Lim can catch him rushing in, uh, hit him with possibly 
um, one of his knees that he's very good at, possibly flying uh, like a Superman punch or one of his elbows or things like that. He kind of throws strikes from some unorthodox areas at times. So yeah. I see Kyungyu Lim getting the better of the striking exchange here and actually finishing the fight in the first round with a knockout. Well, I definitely I agree with you. It could, it could happen way sooner than the third. I mean, it was just I'm being gracious by saying that, but it's definitely going to be this is Lin all limb all the way, I mean, by finish. If he doesn't finish his fight, I'll be very surprised. Yeah, definitely. I think Kyungyu Lim will be the clear pick there, and we both have him uh, picked by finish. All right, and continuing the action in the welterweight division, we have a fantastic matchup here with Rick Story and Donald Cerrone. Just great, great matchmaking here. This is going to be nothing short of a fantastic fight. Rick Story, I think that he is one of the more overlooked guys at Wolverine. He's currently riding a three-fight winning streak. He had that very impressive win over Gunnar Nelson. He he had that win over Tarek Safadine. Story, he's known for his wrestling. He's a very strong guy, good takedowns, good ground and pound, good chokes. But he's looked really good in his last few fights. His striking has looked much better. His durability has always been really great. And one thing that I really like is that he comes in with very smart game plans. That's something we saw against Gunnar Nelson. He came in there not just looking to wrestle, not just looking to brawl or maybe take what would be expected of him. He came in with a very smart game plan, used his leg kicks, really picked his shots, fought just a very smart fight. And I think that was really one of the most important impressive wins of his career and that really established himself as a threat in the division and donald cerrone since moving up to 170 has of course looked fantastic as well he's 2-0 he has the win over alex Oliveira and then the third round tko over patrick cote back in june not too long ago yeah cowboy looks great at 170 so far obviously he's not cutting as much weight so then the that process will be a little bit easier on him Still the same guy, you know, he still has fantastic kickboxing, great Muay Thai, good combinations, really mixes in his kicks very well. And then his Jiu-Jitsu is, of course, fantastic. He has a very active guard, great triangle choke, great arm bar. Just when he gets his guys to the ground, he just wraps them up and really outpositions them and forces them to submit. That's one of the things that makes him so difficult is that he has such fantastic finishing skills, both on the feet and on the mat. I think that the way he matches up a story, it, it's just going to be nothing short of fireworks for this matchup. Absolutely, I agree. Rick Story has basically a resurgence in his career because it was a time where he was at a bit of a crossroads and then he just started coming back, you know. He wasn't very consistent with his with his fights, winning and losing, you know. With that being said, I'm a big Cowboy fan myself. I like Story. Story has a great heart, you know, but unfortunately, Donald Cerrone is a beast in that cage. I see a submission or a decision. I'm, I, I can't even pick the round, but I'm just, I'm gonna go with either or. The leg kicks alone is gonna really slow down story. I mean the his wrestling and whatnot, and I I don't see him submitting, you know, coming even close to submitting Cerrone. As far as hurting him, anything's possible. It is the UFC. Anything's possible. Dos Anjos did it. Anything is possible. And Pettis hit, hit, hurt him with a body shot. Again, anything can happen, but I'm I'm rolling with Cerrone on this one. Yeah, it's a really close fight. I think that the longer the fight goes, the more it will favor Cerrone. Cerrone can be a bit of a slow starter at times, something that he's admitted himself. So I think that Rick Story will have success early on. The way I see it, I think that Story will likely win the first round. The second round will be very close, and then I see Cerrone winning the third, so it really comes 
could come down to that second round if he can get the better of it. If it stays standing, Cerrone will get the better of story. He has the much more diverse style with his kicks, his Muay Thai, his clink strikes. All of that is much better. But story is very durable. He has a good chin. He can really eat his shots. He also packs some sneaky power as well. I think that when he closes the distance and really exchanges guys from really close distances, that's when he's at his best on the feet. And on the mat, he will likely... Cerrone's guard could give him some trouble here because he's so active off of his back. But with Story, I think that if he can really smother Cerrone and if he can possibly get out of his guard, maybe get to half guard side control, full mount, all of that, I think that then he will have more success. It's going to be really close. I'm actually leaning towards Story here. I think that Cerrone will get the better of him on the feet, but I think that Story will close the distance, drag him to the ground, uh, really use his superior wrestling to smother him, wear him down a bit. And like I said, I think that Story will win the first round. Second round will be really, really close, I think as Cerrone starts to pick up the pace, but I still think that Story can do enough to win that second round. And then third round, I think, will go to Cerrone because he tends to finish very strong in this fight. Yeah, I, I, for the sake of the fans, I hope he doesn't smother him for 15 minutes. <laughs> but, hey, you know, you got to do what you got to do to win sometimes, right? Yeah, definitely. So uh, with your pick of Cerrone, how do you see him winning the fight then? I see either a submission or a decision, and a, a pretty close decision at that. Submission yeah. by the second, if not a uh, decision. And I'll be leaning towards Story here. I think that his wrestling will be the key difference and his durability. I'm going with Rick Story by unanimous decision. It could very well be a split decision, but a decision nonetheless in a very, very close, very competitive fight. And with that, we will head over to the co-main event in the light heavyweight division. We have Anthony Rumble Johnson taking on Glover Teixeira. Anthony Johnson, he's of course had quite a bit of success since his return to the UFC. His only loss has been to Daniel Cormier for the belt. And other than that, he has beaten everyone else that he's faced. He coming off of back-to-back wins, uh, both knockouts over Ryan Bader and Jimmy Manoa. He finished Alexander Gustafson. He finished Rogerio Noguera. He finished Phil Davis. Really just completely ran through everyone that they gave him, except for Cormier, in a fight that was also very competitive. With Johnson, he, of course, he has the ability to knock out anyone at light heavyweight. I mean, arguably, he has the power to knock out anyone at heavyweight as well. He's just such a powerful guy. He can finish anyone that he steps in the cage with. That being said, he is a beatable guy, and we've, of course, seen that from him in the past, and that was something that was also shown in the Cormier fight. And I think that this is a winnable fight for Teixeira. Teixeira, he was having kind of that rough patch with his losses to John Jones and Phil Davis, but he was able to bounce back. He got that submission win over Ovin St. Preux and is uh, now coming off of couple of very impressive stoppage wins over Patrick Cummins and Rashad Evans. And so I think that now Glover Deshera has kind of gotten his confidence back. He's not quite looking like the guy who lost the decision to Phil Davis back at UFC 179. Deshera is very dangerous on the feet. He has serious, serious power in his hand. On top of that, he's also very good on the ground. He has very good chokes. He is good with that head and arm choke. He's good once he gets his opponents back. And so I think that while he has the, the ability to really knock out practically anyone that he faces, I think that his ground game could be the key here that could help him give Johnson some trouble. I, I agree with, and with that assessment 100%. With also, with that being said, Johnson is 
a freak of nature with his power. I have honestly yet to, if, correct me if I'm wrong, but I have yet to see Johnson get hurt at all. I mean, again, I could be wrong. One, one fight that stands out in my mind is Maldonado versus Teixeira. Maldonado happens to be one of my uh, low-key favorite fighters only because I like his style. He goes to the body a lot. You know, this is his overall style, his heart. And he hurt Teixeira. He stunned him. I believe it was twice he stunned him. And if it wasn't for the time running out, I believe he could have possibly have finished uh, Teixeira. But Teixeira has a great, great ground game, something that you don't see much of in the bigger guys. So it, this is a toss-up for me. I, I want to say Johnson via vicious knockout or TKO, either one of the two, or Teixeira by submission. I mean, I, this is a toss-up for me. But if I got to pick one, I'd have to say Johnson if he gets the opportunity to get his hands on Teixeira. If Teixeira gets him to the ground, I think it's over for, for Johnson. I really do. Yeah, and, you know, it hasn't been quite as big of a problem since he wasn't, since he's not cutting down to 170 of all things before. I mean, again, he's a guy that you look at and you're like, how on earth did he ever make Walter weight now that he's walking around or, you know, now he's cutting down to 205. But, yeah, the way that many guys have beaten Johnson in the past is that they've used their wrestling to wear him down, to smother him, test his cardio because that weight cut was so rough for him and then eventually wind up submitting him when he gassed himself out, like we saw in the Cormier fight. Now, one thing that could be difficult for Tashir, though, is Johnson's wrestling background. We saw in the Ryan Bader fight, Bader shot in on, on him very early. Johnson stuffed it and then just unleashed with ground and pound and got the finish very early. And so it really showed how good... Phil Davis, too. Phil Davis was very yeah. young, a great wrestler, and he was unsuccessful, like completely destroyed his confidence. But Cormier, of course, Cormier, you know, is a champion on a whole different level. So, I mean, yeah, that that will be an issue taking him down. If he can get him down, that will be his key to victory for Teixeira. That is, if he takes him down. Now, if he does not have one, two, three takedowns, and he can't take him down, he's in trouble. Yeah, definitely. And I, I like I like the only person that we've seen really use their wrestling successfully against him was Daniel Cormier, who's an Olympian. And there are really no other guys in the division that have those wrestling chops like him. And so if Teixeira does manage to get Johnson on his back, then I do think that he can submit him. I think that he can lock on one of his chokes and force the tap out. But I think that the difficult part is going to be him getting it to the ground in the first place. Uh, now, both men have power in their hands, and both have pretty good chins as well, but We've seen Teixeira tested much more than Johnson has at 205. You know, we had the Maldonado fight where he got clipped a little bit. And with Johnson, he, he can eat shots, but he really hasn't been hurt. And that's going to be, I think, the difference here. Both men are going to exchange, but I think that Johnson's going to be the one that's going to be able to hang on. Unless Teixeira can really drag him to the ground and work his jiu-jitsu, I think that Teixeira is going to be in trouble here. And, yeah, I see Johnson winning the fight by knockout in the first round. Yeah, I, I can't wait. I want to see who he calls on next because Johnson has been, oh, my goodness, he's been on a tear. But he did to Arvlovsky when he broke his jaw. That was just serious. And I give props to Arvlovsky, who's got a glass chin, and he, he took it like a straight G. I mean, he kept fighting. But, you know, you can't take many of those shots. And, like I said, Teixeira has been, like you say, he's been clipped. He's never been really hit clean, clean with someone of the power of John, of, of Johnson. John Jones is not a, a knockout puncher either, so I, I don't consider Johnson in the same category as, 
as anybody with power, but he has been hit clean by John Jones. But nonetheless, it's not the same power as Johnson packs. So, yeah, Johnson by knockout for sure. Yeah, definitely. And I think that whoever does come out on top here, you really got to give them the next shot unless we see something from John Jones. I know that he had that news most recently that he'll be returning to the cage soon. It's kind of interesting to see what the UFC does next, but either way, whoever wins here, a title shot will be in the near future for them. And moving on, we are already at the main event now. We will have the highly anticipated rematch between Nate Diaz and Conor McGregor. Uh, the circumstances for this fight are kind of weird. The fight is still at welterweight for some reason. Nate Diaz, of course, won their first matchup. He was able to survive that early onslaught that McGregor was able to put forth, survive, and then, of course, get him to the ground and submit him. Now, the circumstances for this fight are going to be a little bit different. Diaz will have a full camp for it. No one will be stepping in on short notice, and Connor will actually be preparing for a welterweight fight, so it'll be kind of interesting to see what his physique is like and everything like that heading into it. Joel, uh, what are your initial thoughts on this matchup? Well, the fact that they're keeping it in the same weight just goes to, for me personally, it's just a way of UFC giving somewhat redemption for McGregor and saying, okay, well, he got his, he, he avenged his loss at that weight. And it's also a way to showcase Conor if he does win. Oh, well, Conor can do it at this weight and that weight. The Diaz brothers are used to getting hit a lot. They're used to taking punishment. They're used to, you know, uh, all out brawls and wars. The only way that I, I can possibly see Conor winning this fight is if he somehow, some way knocks out Diaz. Which, you know, has been done. Thompson has, has KO'd him. I think it was a high kick, if I'm not mistaken. But it, it's been done. But the fact that he's went up so, a few weight classes up to where he's now, that power I don't think is going to translate as much as where he, was, where he was at before. He was fighting little guys. while Meanwhile, he was cutting all this weight. He was more the bigger guy in the fight and bringing all that, that power with him. But now that he's moved up a weight class, a couple weight classes, I should say, it... It's, I don't think it's as effective. His striking always will be effective, but his power won't be. I see the same thing happening. I see the same, possibly the same scenario with the same exact submission, or if not just submission in general. I see Diaz winning this one. Yeah, I agree. I I remember when I first, uh, when I wrote up my predictions piece for their first meeting, I said that for Connor to win, he'll likely implement a same strategy that Josh Thompson was able to implement. You know, stay very elusive on the feet, really pick his shots, and then uh, once he's found an opening, really go in for a power shot, have him hurt, and then eventually finish him. But he really didn't do that at all in their first minute. He just kind of charged forward and looked to land haymakers. He really he wasn't moving as well as we saw from him before. And then he, of course, gassed out very quickly just because he put so much effort into finishing the fight early on. And when you have someone that's as durable as Diaz is, that's just not going to end well. You know, for a guy that can take as much punishment as Diaz and then have the cardio to last that much longer, it just wasn't a good game plan for him. Because with Diaz, he struggles with other strikers who move a lot, guys that mix up their attack, guys that keep him guessing with what they're going to throw. But with guys, like we saw in the Michael Johnson fight, guys that just push forward, look to land big bombs, he can eat those like they're nothing. And so, yeah, he got busted up, but he was able to just absorb it, and then by the second round, Connor was exhausted, and Nate just began teeing off on him, got the better of him, 
and that which resulted the Connor shooting for a takedown, which was obviously not the best idea against Diaz. And so I think that for a big one, I think a big key factor here will be how McGregor reacts early on in that fight. Is he going to move? Is he going to chop down Diaz's leg? Or is he just going to rush forward and look to land big bombs on him? And that's something that he's so used to doing against the literal guys that, you know, look at what, what Aldo. Aldo came rushing in and, boom, one punch, it's lights out, game over. And he, But with Diaz, again, also he has knockouts on his record, but he's also a volume puncher, just like his brother, you know. Who's, they, they, like, they just, you can see them bleeding, but just because they're bleeding doesn't mean that they're out of the fight. This is, just means that... Okay, then this is just going to be even better. I know that McGregor's camp was quoted saying that he's ready with his cardio to to go at least four rounds, which I don't know why they would even say that. I would say yeah. go all five, but that's what they're saying, and that tells me that they're not they're not they don't have that much confidence in his in his in his cardio. And again, he's packing up muscle, but then again, at the same token, this is something he prepared for. It wasn't something that. He was had to do out of the blue in a couple of weeks or even a month. This is so he had some time to prepare for this. And again, Diaz is he's just a, a cardio machine. It's gonna be interesting to watch for sure because Diaz, if ever, rarely gasses out. McGregor, I see him gassing out by the third if it gets that far. And I don't think he'd be dumb enough to go for another takedown again. I don't think he'll initiate takedowns in this in this fight. If and when Diaz decides to take him down, if he just has had enough and just says, I want to just end it, I think he could easily take him down, take his back, and to submit him as quickly as Connor tapped out that first fight, he'll tap out again the second. Yeah, I agree. I think that McGregor's power, his speed, his size, all of those advantages that he had at 145, he just doesn't have that at two weight classes above, especially for a stylistic guy like Diaz who can just absorb punishment and then have the cardio to put forth that high volume. On top of that, uh, one of his biggest strengths, his grappling, is one of McGregor's biggest weaknesses. Whether Nate is on top or out of his guard, he's still going to be dangerous. He, of course, has a very good guillotine, a fantastic triangle choke. We know that McGregor, he, he shot that takedown kind of out of desperation because he was getting lit up on the feet for so long. And, yeah, he really it's, it's really doubtful when he would initiate the grappling with Diaz, who's so far ahead of him. I know that he's been working a lot on his jiu-jitsu, but that's got to be all for defensive purposes. You know, there's only so much that you can learn in one camp. He's not going to be on par with the guy who's been doing jiu-jitsu since he was a kid. And so I think that if McGregor does remain a little bit more aloof on the feet, if he picks his shots, if he mixes in his kicks, if he really attacks Diaz's leg, because Diaz really does not like leg kicks, then I could see him getting the win, possibly even getting the stoppage if those strikes add up. But it's interesting because with how emotional things have gotten between them, I really don't think Connor will even go for that. I think that he is going to look to land those bombs like he did before. He's going to really try to knock Diaz out so early. And while McGregor might not gas out as quickly as he did in that fight, because his physique is going to be a little bit different probably since he will actually be preparing for a welterweight matchup, I think that if he doesn't manage to find that knockout win, I think that he is going to just tire himself out and then the whole thing is going to play out again. I think that McGregor, his power just 
it's not the same. Knocking out guys at 145 is not the same thing as knocking out a guy at 170, you know? And so I see Connor looking to land those haymakers early, and I think that he could have some success. But ultimately, Diaz is just going to eat them. He's going to do what he usually does. He's just going to eat those punches, and then he's going to put, start to really push the pace, put forth that high level of volume, that smothering, smothering boxing style that he has, tire McGregor out, and then wind up on the ground and just lock on a submission again. I don't know if it'll be another rear naked. You know, like you said, he, he has a good guillotine. He has a great triangle. Uh, you know, good arm bar, and so it could be any number of those things, whether it be on top or on his back. But either way, I see Nate getting it to the ground after McGregor tires himself out and locking on a submission. I'll say I'm thinking probably around the second or third round. I'm leaning towards second round. So Nate Diaz by submission in round two will be my official prediction. Yeah, because another thing that people tend to forget is that he's very susceptible to submissions because Duffy submitted McGregor. A lot of people tend to forget Duffy. And yeah. also just this the, the whole, this whole even, to, even on Saturday, this is also creating a nice layout for the 145ers. In my opinion, I think that they should give him Frankie Edgar at Madison Square Garden, not just because I'm a Jersey boy. <laughs> I just think it just makes <laughs> sense. I think it'll be a phenomenal matchup. Both fighters are at the top of the class, you know, the the very best in their division what they do. Another one that's a possibility is Max Holloway, but I think the one that makes more sense is Frankie Edgar. And Frankie Edgar is an incredible, incredible fighter all around. And just the way that Diaz laid out this blueprint for them, taking them down, seeing that he's susceptible to submissions, I think that that's going to give a real big advantage to the when he goes back to 145, whoever he may face, you know, for that title, which, again... I believe it should be Max Holloway, Frank Yeager. I, I don't, off the top of my head, I, I can't think of anybody else that's more deserving. Although maybe to get redemption, but being in, in, if it's in New York City, I would, I would say Frank Yeager makes the most sense. Yeah, but uh, like, but with it being uh, like the interim a title challenger with Aldo, do you think that? Uh, like with him beating Frank Yeager, do you think that then he would be the choice to have the? the rematch between them? Or do you just think that, you, would you rather like see Frankie just because that would be a different matchup? Yeah, I like I like the fact that it's a different matchup, a different style. Yes, it, it, I guess it does make sense to give Aldo the, the shot, but monetary and just if they decide to bring Connor to, to New York, Connor himself would make is a big draw. But having someone from around that area of New York, New Jersey, that brings a lot of, you know, not just him, even Chris, having Chris Wyman on the card, um, Aljamain Sterling, just in general, guys from that area. But I don't know. I, I, I believe that Aldo should have another fight beforehand because that, Edgar, Edgar was kind of screwed out of this title shot. But, yeah, you know, at and, and the end of the day, yeah, if it, you know, I, I guess Aldo is deserving as well. But I don't know. I, I, I like to see different matchups. I, I, I like to see different matchups and see what they have bring to the table. You know, he's been campaigning for this fight for such a long time. I don't understand why not give it to him. Give it to him. If he doesn't get the job done, then then Aldo's wait is right there waiting. And so the way the UFC works, they work very, very, very differently than other companies and their rankings and whatnot. It's strange. I've seen stranger matchups happen. So I mean, I, I don't know. It, it could go either way. But definitely, if if not Edgar, I definitely 
think Max Holloway is absolutely deserving. Max Holloway has been on an absolute tear. And Max Holloway survived against McGregor. He, he stood in there. But that was a, a younger, not as much wiser as he is now, Holloway. Holloway has been on a tear. He's much more stronger. He's a better fighter. And I believe that he could be McGregor. I really believe that he has the opportunity to be McGregor. And I don't think Aldo would beat him again. I don't think he would beat him, period. I don't think that he would get the job done. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be really interesting to see what exactly happens after this fight. I mean, it could really, I guess it really depends on whether or not Connor will be successful here because, you know, Dana's gone on record saying that after this fight, Connor will either move down and defend his belt finally or just not go back to the division and vacate the title. And I guess it could really come down to whether or not he wins or loses. But, you know, it, it was kind of frustrating to see it happen, you know, how he won the title and then just did not defend it. You know, I thought that after the Diaz loss, it's like, okay, you know, you, you fought at welterweight now, like go ahead and move back down and, and have a title fight, you know, fight Frankie for the belt. But then we just kind of got this weird uh, cluster of, of, of stuff that, that was going on. But, yeah, I guess we'll just have to keep our eyes on the fight, see what happens, see what he says afterwards, and just kind of watch and see what they want to do next and whether or not he's even going to go back to featherweight in the first place. Again, it really comes down to how much success he has here. Yeah, if he doesn't go back, he just doesn't want a piece of Frank Yeager. I know that he's coming off a loss, but uh, I don't know. Frank, I, I know Frankie has the tools to be McGregor. McGregor has a lot of holes in the game. He has great, great, very talented very, very great stand-up, um, you know, great unpredictableness, but he has a lot of holes in his game. Unfortunately, you know, not every fighter can be a perfect fighter. Everyone's in that, you know, exposed. If they once, once they're exposed, that particular hole in the game will continue to get exposed and exposed unless you don't work on it. And I believe that this is this is what's going to happen Saturday. It's going to really going to play out the same way. If it doesn't, then, then we'll guess we'll see McGregor and Diaz 3. Uh, who, who knows? Yeah, I guess we'll just have to wait and see. But yeah, on that note, yeah, I guess we'll uh, wrap things up here. Um, we were able to break down our entire card here. I want to thank you guys, of course, as always, for tuning in. It'll be really, really interesting to see how the fights play out and then what they're going to do with everyone involved in the card afterwards. But um, yeah, hey, if you guys, I know this was new. If you guys like this, uh, just let us know. What do you guys think is going to happen at UFC 202? Do you think that Diaz is going to beat him again, or do you think that Connor will get his redemption here? Let us know. Thank you guys, as always, for tuning in. Uh, I want to thank Joel Rojas for helping me break down these fights. Joel, uh, where can people find you at? On Twitter, underscore, JR, double, underscore, and on Facebook at Joel Rojas. All right, sounds good. And you guys know the drill. As always, make sure to like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at FunkyMonkeyMMA. Make sure to follow me on Twitter at Kane E. Miller and keep up with the site. You can check out all of our podcasts, all of our interviews, and hey, let us know if this is something that you like and something that you'd want to see in the future. Thank you guys very much for tuning in, and we will see you next time. You can listen to Funky Monkey MMA Radio on iTunes, Stitzer Radio, Blog Talk Radio, Player FM, Cash Roller, the TuneIn Radio app, MMAFutures.com, LoveMMA.com, MMARecords.com, and FightBookMMA.com. For the freshest news and notes on all things MMA, get over to FunkyMonkeyMMA.com. Interested in sponsoring the show? Then send an email to FunkyMonkeyMMA at gmail.com. You're listening to Funky Monkey MMA.